We are in our Series B. We just started last week, so if you missed last week, you like it caught up. It's on YouTube and on Facebook. You can always go check that out. Uh, so last week, we talked about be intentional. God has given you so much time. He's given you so many resources, uh, and He has called you to be faithful with the little that you have, and if you're trustworthy with the little, then you will get more, which we just looked at in the reading plan. Um, and so we... So God calls us to be intentional. And the whole idea of be, and I I should have unpacked this last week, but we had a lot to get through. We got a lot to get through this morning, and we started late. So anyways, um, we may go late. Hopefully there's nothing in the oven. Um, This whole idea of be, to use an old old church cliche, we are not human doings, we are human beings. I know, corny, gross, I get it. There's going to be a lot of corniness and grossness this morning, just a heads up. Um, But we so often can reduce our faith to a checklist of things that need to be accomplished, that we, we get so busy doing things that we forget that we're actually just called to be different. We're called to be a new creation. We're called to just be in relationship with God, and it's out of the being that the doing follows. It's not do, 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 because if you do, if you just get caught up going through the motions quickly and very quickly, faith starts to feel empty, starts to feel like I'm kind of a hypocrite because I'm doing all this stuff, but I'm really not feeling it. And we just get caught up going through the motions, and all of a sudden, it's like, what is the point of all of this? And more importantly, when hard times come, Doing all the right stuff doesn't help you through the hard time. But being different, being set apart, being who God has called you to be, that is the stuff that's going to carry you through when life gets tough and curveballs come your way. And so the point of this series, and as long as it's going to be, is this whole idea of let's stop doing and let's start being who Christ has called us to be. So this morning we're in the Beatitudes in Matthew 5. Uh, Starting in verse 3, here we go really quick. Uh, Verse 3, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you. Because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. So, uh, first I want to unpack this idea of beatitudes. Where does this word come from? It comes from the Latin word beatus, which means blessed. Which makes sense, because if you read through, God blesses you in nine different times. Um, at other times, in other parts in history, it wasn't called the Beatitudes. It was called the Markerism. The Makarism comes from the Greek Makarios. And take a guess what Makarios means. Blessed. 
Sorry, I was trying. Um, nine times in the original language when Jesus is laying this out, it's, this is the word he uses, makarios, makarios, makarios are you, makarios are you. And what this word, what the best idea to understand this word is, is makarios describes a person who is favored by God and therefore in some sense happy. Now why did I go through all of that? information because some people like that information uh the other reason is i think i hit every major bible translation over the course of history when you read the good old king james and read matthew 5 3 to 12 he's got jesus says happy are those who mourn happy are those who are poor in spirit happy are those so that's where the that's where the king james gets happy is that this is literally part of the definition of this greek word then later on most major translations say blessed are those who <clears throat> mourn blessed are those who are humble blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness and the new living just takes that idea and they take it a step further instead of just saying blessed are those it says god blesses so it doesn't matter which translation you read this is being true to the original text. It's like, it's, it's not that one is better than the other. It's just everyone took a slightly different approach to unpacking this word. <clears throat> but it doesn't matter which translation you're, you're reading. Hands up if you like the idea of being happy or blessed. Anybody? Okay, generally. Yeah. Those of you that didn't put your hand up, you're just shy or lying. Like, that, if I have to pick between the two alternatives, happy or miserable, happy or sad, happy, I'm going to choose happy. Right? Like, is, everyone's with me on that? Like, nobody just looks forward to having a bad day? Like, I want to have a happy day. And what Jesus is doing is he's really unpacking what we looked at in the Old Testament. When we looked at the law, it really came down to there's two lines of life. You can either get into this lane, and this is the lane of God's teaching. And if you follow God's teaching, there's blessing. And Jesus, God literally says that in Deuteronomy. Blessed are you when you stay in this track. Happy are you. Your needs are met. This is where the blessing is. If you step outside of this, you step outside of God's blessing. You step outside of his favor. You step outside of his, and, and, and trouble will come. Not that there's no trouble on the other side, but there's, there's more trouble, and, and you do it alone. And Jesus is really saying the same thing. If, if you want to live this blessed life, you want to experience happiness to the full, this is the lane. And these are the things that identify people who walk in God's blessing. And if you want to not walk in blessing, you want to do things your own way and go count, Contrary to what Jesus just taught, this is your lane. But there's going to be trouble, there's going to be hardship, and you're going to do it alone. And I don't know about you, but I like this lane. I like the idea of happy, I like the idea of blessed, I like the idea of walking in God's favor all throughout my life. So, <clears throat> before we get any further, I want to kind of unpack these, because I feel like Jesus is using some kind of cryptic language here, and it's like, these, some of these things seem really counter-cultural, seems very backwards. So I want us to understand what's going on here. So number one, God blesses the poor. And it's not that you have to like go sell everything and be poor. It's not what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is saying is that those, some translations say those who are poor in spirit. NLT says God blesses those who recognize their need for him. It's not a coincidence that the gospel goes into third world countries and explodes. Because people who have nothing and all of a sudden get God, all of a sudden have something. 
They don't have to be told that they have nothing. They're quite well aware of it. The problem is in that North American culture, we so often forget that we're all broken. We're all poor in spirit. We're all desperately in need of a Savior. We're all desperately in need of the things that only God can provide because we can distract ourselves with our stuff. We can distract ourselves with our riches. We can distract ourselves with our material. We can distract. There's so many distractions. It's no wonder that Jesus would say later on that it's hard for a rich person to get into heaven because a rich person loses this, loses this idea that deep down the stuff doesn't matter. I am poor, I am broken, and without Jesus, I really have nothing. And that was the beautiful thing about that song we sang. I I have nothing except for my words. I have nothing except for my life. I just want to offer something to the King of Kings. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who recognize that without God, they have nothing. Blessed are those who mourn, and not necessarily those who are mourning the loss of a loved one. I mean, God's still going to bless those as well. But what Jesus is talking about here is, blessed are those who mourn the way the world is going. Blessed are those who mourn that there's sin in the world. Blessed are those who mourn that there's sickness and corruption and injustice and Blessed are those who are unhappy with where things are at because there's coming a day where all this injustice and all this sin and all this sickness is going to go away and then you will experience true comfort. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are dissatisfied with the way things are. God blesses those who are humble. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice. These ones kind of make sense, but I'm going to give you a really easy reason why Jesus is saying this. God blesses those who are merciful. Uh, if you went to camp, there's a good old camp song all about Micah 6, 8. This is what God has called you to do, oh son, do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. The reason that humble, God blesses those who are humble, in other parts of scripture it says that God rejects the proud but gives grace to the humble. Hum- humility is required in We'll get into it, but do what is right, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. God blesses those whose hearts are pure. All throughout scripture, we're told that God is without sin, God is pure, and that God cannot look down on sin. And those who guard our hearts and protect it from that which would corrupt it, those who keep their hearts pure, those are the ones who will see God, because they're the only ones who are going to have eyes to see. Jesus would say later on that our eyes are a lamp onto our body, and if our eyes are only seeing what is dark, how dark is their body? So those who protect their heart, wear that breastplate of righteousness, as Paul says in Ephesians 6. Guard this heart, because it's the most important part of who you are. God blesses those who work for peace. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace, and we're never more like Jesus than when we are being the res- when we're being God's instrument of bringing peace into our world. Because let's be honest, there's not a lot of peace in it right now. So if Jesus is the Prince of Peace, then we should be people of peace, and we should be working for it. And just as Jesus is called the Son of God, we are called children of God when we work for peace. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing what is right. And God blesses those who are persecuted for standing up for him. Because sometimes standing up for someone who's facing an injustice, sometimes standing up for someone who is 
going through a hard time, sometimes standing up for somebody has repercussions. Sometimes it blows back at us. And God says, you might get some earthly repercussions, but God sees it. And God's going to bless you. God's going to walk with you. God is going to be with you in the midst of it because you do not work for human approval. We work for God's approval. So that was really quick. There's a lot. Each of those could be its own sermon. I recognize that. But there is something that I really wanted to get to this morning. When I sat down to look at this, the first thing that popped in my head was this idea of having a better attitude. Remember we have B statements? This was the best I could do. Um, I have another one, again, corny and gross, so I won't share it with you. But it's this whole idea of having a better attitude. And before I unpack this, I want to take us to Philippians 4. Philippians 4, 8 says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent. Think about things that are excellent and praiseworthy. Uh Uh-oh, this isn't going to work. Oh, snap. Silly thing. Um, Maybe it's going to work. Let's see. Nope. Paul doesn't say, so I guess the thing I wanted to highlight is the fact that Paul doesn't say if you can think about these things or try to think about these things. What does Paul say? Paul says, focus your mind on the things that are above. Focus your mind on the things that are true. Think about the things that are excellent or praiseworthy. And what Paul is insinuating is that we have more control of our mind than we maybe give ourselves credit for. So often we approach life as though we are victims of our mind. That our mind is going to wander wherever it wants to go and the way that I feel and the things that I think about, I have no control over any of those things. And what Paul is saying is that's not true. You can't control your mind. You can't control the things that you think about. And if you choose to, you can think about the things that are true and honorable and right and pure and lovely. And it may seem hard. I'm not minimizing that some of us have really strong have really true and strong struggles with our mind. But the beauty of being a Christ follower is that you don't have to control your mind on your own. You have the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, is dwelling within you and gives you the power, gives you the strength, gives you the wisdom, gives you everything you need to control this thing that likes to wander into places it shouldn't wander to. And if we have the ability to control our mind and control the things that we think about, then I think we have the ability to control how we feel and the attitude that we take to life. Because as a Christ follower, you should have a different attitude. You should have a different approach to life. You should be different in so many ways. And the B today is better attitude. Why? Because Why? we're going to come back to the blessing thing. There's three levels of blessing I want you to see as we go through this. And I'm going to go through it really quickly because we're almost out of time. We've got to get to eating. So three levels of blessing. Number one, blessing from God. And Jesus said that right out front, right? If you walk in these things, God blesses you. God blesses you when you are humble. God blesses you when you are merciful. God blesses you when you hunger and thirst for righteousness. Why? Because you're going to be satisfied in all those things. Even when we mourn, God comforts those who mourn in a way that humans simply cannot comfort us. God strengthens us and feeds that hunger for righteousness and thirst for righteousness and justice. When we work for peace, 
we experience a peace that goes beyond all understanding, which Paul talks about. Paul talks about peace beyond understanding. It's not that Jesus is saying, if you do these things, you're going to experience good life. What did he say? You're still going to mourn. You're still going to struggle. You're still going to experience persecution. You're still going to have opposition when you stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves. You're still going to experience struggle, but you're going to be blessed in it. You're going to be happy in it. You're going to have peace beyond understanding in it. So God, there's blessing from God in this. Number two, blessing from others. And this is just practical. This just makes practical sense. If you are merciful, this is the easy one for me to explain. If you are merciful, people are more prone to show you mercy if you've shown mercy to others. Right? If you rule with an iron fist, (laughs) if you don't extend mercy, people are less likely to be merciful to you. If you are humble, People like being around humble people. I don't know about you, but I have tough time. I I still hang out with everybody, okay? Don't think like I avoid people because that is just not good. But it's easier to be around a humble person than it is to be around an arrogant person. Right? That just just makes sense. Blessed are those, when, when you're around someone who just sees themselves as they really are and not puffs themselves up and you... People who stand up for others usually attract a crowd because you want to be around people who like to do good, people who are inflicting injustice, people like to keep their distance from. Right? This is just practical. Take this attitude. It's infectious. And like I said earlier, there's no shortage of negativity in our world. There's no shortage of bad attitudes in this world. So as Christ followers, we should be carriers of good attitude. And who knows? It might spread. Because our, hung, our, our hungry is world. Our world is hungry for something different, for something better. One of the things, our mission as a church is to equip people to live an effective life. Imagine the effect you could have if you walked into work and you walked into your family. Imagine the effect you have on your kids if you were merciful and you were humble, willing to admit that you'd done wrong. Imagine if you were hungry and thirsty for justice and taught that hunger and thirst to your kids. Imagine the effect it would have. We should have a better attitude. And the third one is probably the least obvious, but probably the most important. It's going to be a blessing for yourself because who is the one person in this world that you are least likely to extend mercy to? Who is the one person you know is going on in their heart every single time? Who is the one person you're going to look down on for their failures and their, their shortcomings? And it's that silly goofball looking back in the mirror. Sorry, it's a goofball looking back in my mirror. I, it's only beautiful people looking back in your mirror, but in mine, it's like, mm. right? We, we, there's nobody we're the hardest on than ourselves, but imagine if we extended the mercy to ourselves that God extends us. Imagine if we looked in the mirror despite everything that we did wrong the day before, and you're like, instead of like, man, you messed up. It's like, meh, God still loves you. I tolerate you. Let's just keep going. Like it's gonna we just let's just do better today. It's not just having God's blessing in our life. It's not just having people's blessing, but it's having our own blessing to accept ourselves as we are. 
not to puff ourselves up, oh, look how great I am because I'm favored of God, but like, God, I'm so glad I have your favor because without it, I'm nothing. We're going to get through this. It's going to be okay. Pat yourself on the back. Like, it's okay. We'll get through this. Better attitude. See what I did there? Capitalized the B. That's because of the B. The other alternative was the B attitude. Okay? It's like to split that word. B, get gross. I know. Okay. Anyways. We do not have to be victims of our minds. We do not have to be victims of our circumstances. We do not have to be at the will of our mind to decide how we're going to act and the way we're going to approach our world. We have the control to have a better attitude, to be different, to approach life with mercy, with a hunger for justice, for humility, with a poor in spirit saying, God, I need you in every situation, every conversation I have, everything I approach, I, I need you. And we are willing to take on this attitude, this approach, these nine things. And I'm not saying you've got to knock all nine of them out of the park t- this week. But pick one. And don't pick an easy one. Well, maybe pick an easy one. Then build some momentum and move on the harder ones. But pick one of these attitudes and just say, this week I'm going to work on being more merciful. And I'm not just going to do mercy. I'm going to be merciful. I'm going to think merciful. I'm going to love mercifully. I'm going to be different, and I'm going to do accordingly. Just pick one. Don't work on all nine. Like a really bad New Year's resolution. Don't go too big. You're just going to be disappointed. Start small. Work your way up. Worship team, you can come on up. I can get everyone to bow your heads, close your eyes. <coughs> now, as worship team's coming up, I just want to ask, is there anyone in here this morning that... You, you know, you know, you know that you know that um, this whole idea of your attitude, you really struggle with. And you just know that this, you, you know that if your attitude was better, it would just make a world of difference, but it just is a struggle for you. And you really would like God to speak into you, really help you and strengthen you in this area. If that's you this morning, I invite you to just raise your hand. You don't have to throw it up in the air, but you can just be... Thank you. Anybody else? Can I pray for you this morning that the Holy Spirit would just speak to you this morning? If there's anybody else, quickly, just hands. Father, I thank you for those who raised their hands and said, that's me. And my hand is the highest of them all. Spirit, I pray that you would speak to us so vividly, so so audibly about the areas that we need to grow in in this area. I pray, God, that as we sing the last song and as we eat, that you would just speak to us and point out the attitude you want to focus on for the next little while. And after we've kind of mastered that one, which one you want to move on to, and God, not just tell us which one we want to work on, but give us the steps to get better. Because ultimately, it's not about us, God. We want to represent you well in all that we do. And we want to have your attitude. Being merciful, Jesus, you were so merciful. No one hungered for justice the way that you did, Jesus. And so in our attempts to imitate you in all that we do, God, may we take your attitude in every area of our life.
God, I, we love you. If there's anyone here who doesn't know you, has not declared you as your Lord and Savior, and there's anyone here that maybe has wandered away and they feel that tug that it's time to come back, I pray, God, that you would speak to them, you would draw them, that you, as we were praying, God, they would commit their lives to you, to turn that 180 and to walk away from the things that are outside of your will and step back into your way, your way of blessing, your way of, your way of grace and favor. Jesus, stir in us, be with us as we meet and we eat. God bless the food, and uh, just give you all our praise. In your precious name, Jesus, I pray. Amen.